Hi everyone, before we start the episode, I just wanted to add a few notes. Beata and I are always talking about how important it is to support the indigenous communities on whose lands we live. If you're in Ottawa right now, you're living on unceded and unsurrendered Algonquin territory. The Algonquin Nation, specifically the Algonquins of Barrier Lake, are currently fighting to enforce a moose moratorium. That means they're trying to enforce a ban on sports hunting on their land this year. They're doing this because they've been seeing a worrying decline in the moose population. By supporting the Algonquins of Barrier Lake, you're also supporting indigenous land management, indigenous land protection, and indigenous sovereignty. You can support them by either donating or if you're able, driving up and providing things for the blockades, such as firewood or food. Um, I'll be adding a link in the show notes so that you can get some information on why this is happening and how specifically you can help. The second thing you can do is contact your representatives. The government of Quebec is currently not supporting or enforcing this moose moratorium, and it's crucial for you to demonstrate that you stand behind the Algonquin Nation. Secondly, we recorded this podcast before the new um, logo was unveiled, so we're not talking about it this week. We'll probably have a little chat about it next episode. All right, so thanks so much for listening and on with the show. Is the world ending? We don't know, but we do know that the NHL season is ending. <laughs> Welcome to the Samalican Life. I'm Poppy. And I'm Beata. And this is the podcast that nobody asks for, but everybody needs. Uh, so before beginning the episode, um, we have a different land acknowledgement this week. For the first time in the history of this podcast, this, has, this episode has not been written on unceded and unsurrendered Algonquin territory. Um, really, who can say when we will return to Algonquin territory? Big mystery with the way the world is right now. Um, but my half of the podcast, I guess, has been written and recorded on unceded and unsurrendered Mi'kmaq territory. Um, so thank you to the Mi'kmaq people for hosting me again. Um, we are all treaty people with responsibilities to uphold those treaties, to support the local indigenous community. Um, please consider donating to organizations who are providing essential care. Um, examples, if you're living in Ottawa, as I know that most of our listeners are, um, are the Ottawa Native Friendship Center, Wabano, and Minwashan Lodge. Uh, welcome back to Halifax. I want to say welcome back, but I'm not in Halifax, so... <laughs> um, and everybody listening needs to appreciate my sacrifice here. This is my first day out of self-isolation, and um, I have not been able to leave my house except to go to COVID tests for the last two weeks, and I am spending this first day recording a podcast instead of going outside. You're a real trooper. <laughs> I am also making a sacrifice, which is that this is one of the very, very rare September days where it's close to 30 degrees by the coast. And instead of taking the train up to the seaside, <laughs> I'm here <laughs> thinking about the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know it's I know it's the same level of sacrifice, really. <laughs> really, it is. Um, it's actually a very nice day in Halifax today as well. Um, uh, I love that. Uh, yeah. All right, so um, what are we drinking? <laughs> well, it is ten o'clock in the morning, and my sleep schedule has still not quite adjusted to Halifax time, so it's very early for me. And I'm drinking a coffee. That's fair. Um, I am drinking water with frozen fruit chunks in it. The two genders. Uh, <laughs> it's only 3pm here. And I have to say, though, like, for the listeners who like to get crazy with their hydration, um, putting just chunks of frozen fruit in your water is such an upgrade. It's so good. It's really, like, changed my life. One of these days, I'm just going to roll out of bed and record the podcast with a beer. Um, and we're just going to do that. One day. May- yeah, I really <laughs> want that to be... I actually considered getting a beer for today. And then I was like, Ugh, I have to write job applications after this. <laughs> so that's not happening. Uh, anyway, not. I'm really going hard on the transitions today, and I think everybody needs to acknowledge that. I appreciate um, your transitions <laughs> today. Anyway, <laughs> we're not the only ones who are broke, because the Sens cut their coaches' salaries to 50% during the pandemic. Okay, so to be clear here, um, a lot of hockey teams, of NHL teams specifically, did cut their staff payroll, which is extremely shitty, right? Because um, the staff is often like the people working at the arenas or, you know, the, the mm. people who are not paid as much as coaches and players. Um, yeah. And so a lot of teams cut the payroll of those people. But the Sens are apparently the one team in the NHL who decided that actually the coaches also don't deserve full pay and they're only going to get 50% of their money. I mean, didn't they get like back pay again though? Mm-hmm. Um, from July, I believe. I think so. Um... Which like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm still like a little bit upset that the money bags coaches get that money and like the arena staff doesn't because mm-hmm. it sucks. Like it's a really rough time for everybody and a hockey team isn't, like, a small mom-and-pop shop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's a different situation. Also, like, if you're not going to pay your employees, just lay them off so that they can claim mm-hmm. unemployment. Like, yeah. don't be a fucking jack about it. Um, yeah, like, I, I generally think that not paying your staff is the more, like, egregious thing. Um, mm. And that is more worth, like, getting angry about. But I do think... At the same time, I think it's extremely funny that the Sens were the one team that was like, yeah, we're just going to go hard on this. <laughs> like, we're going to cut even yeah. more salaries than everybody else. Um, just, you know, that's that's very on brand. Um, mm. Also, there was a tweet a few days ago suggesting that uh, a lot of teams are struggling and there might be a sale. Um, yeah. Not like specifically the Ottawa Senators might be sold, but in general... You know, um, some NHL teams might be sold, which of course Sens fans immediately jumped on. We're like, please. I mean, we had this conversation with some mm-hmm. of our friends, and some people were saying like, "Oh, the Sens would totally get moved." Um, I mean, I would like to say first of all that I am naive. <laughs> it's how I get through life. Um, I try to think positive, um, and I do believe 
the, the franchise would stay in Oshawa for the simple reason that Oshawa has a relatively stable um, local economy during the pandemic because so many people who work mm-hmm. in Oshawa are government workers and government workers are not being laid off right now. That being said, Ottawa's never been like a flashy or exciting city. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say like 1000% our team will never be relocated. It does get a bad rap for in terms of the fan base. But um, I think like Ottawa usually being like, uh, well, you know, it's not like super exciting. It's not super rich. There aren't, isn't like the most passionate fan base. Usually that's all the stuff that would go against keeping the team in Ottawa. But this year, it's just like, <laughs> which city still has an income? Like, where will yeah. people still have the money to attend sports games? And Ottawa is one of the few cities where, like, the income is still going to be relatively stable. Mm-hmm. Um, at least among, like, the big stretch, or, like, amount of population that works for the government. And I generally think that even if a sale is on the table, it would be very, like, a very complicated thing for the NHL to pull off. And I think that they yeah. would look at other options first. Um, and mm. yeah, like you, I'm just, maybe it's me being naive, but I just, I look at this narrative that our only two options are staying with Melnick or relocation. And I'm like, those are both truly truly awful scenarios yeah. and like i'm not saying that relocation is as bad as they as keeping melnick like I, I would rather have the team stay here with melnick than be relocated um yeah. which is saying something but like i i refuse to believe that those two like awful awful options are the only two options that exist and maybe i'm just an optimist that that wants to believe there's a, a way out of this i mean yeah and i think that like occasionally people might like kind of look down on that optimism and be like oh but have you considered all of this and like yeah pro sports gonna be like a nightmare financially for the next god knows how long Mm -hmm. you know buying a team right now you're never gonna make that much money off of a team but like right now you're definitely not gonna make much money Mm -hmm. off of the team if anything you might be bleeding with it but Mm -hmm. i'm sure that like buying a team is significantly cheaper during a pandemic And then you also have to consider that rich people aren't hurting the way we are. The people who have the money to buy sports teams aren't, like, you know, uh, worried about being laid off right now. Like, that's not Mm -hmm. an issue to them. And so maybe, you know, the opportunity to buy a sports team cheap is potentially appealing, though. Who knows? Yeah, and, like, I can understand um, not wanting to make a major investment by, like, buying a sports team when you don't know when it's going to start making money, right? Because you don't know how many years we're going to go with you, like, not being able to have uh, fans at games. Mm. But, um, as you said, like, (laughs) this, like, you could probably buy a sports team, not obviously not like cheaply but you know cheaper than usual i don't know how rich people money works but like i (laughs) i think if you're confident that like a few years down the line you can start making money like now could be a very good time to buy a sports team if you're a super rich person with the money to like um be able to not make that much money for the first few years i guess yeah, I totally agree, and I think it might be a moment when Melnick would actually be open to selling, because, mm-hmm. you know, he's been really clinging to this team for a long time. 
And apparently, um, and I, I mean, apparently the only thing keeping this team viable is fans buying tickets. So now that we're not buying tickets for real, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, you have to consider that like, you know, maybe it's partly a pride thing where he's like, no, like, I'm not going to sell this team. It's going to make me look, I don't know, like I'm not super rich, but there's no shame in selling off a sports team during a global pandemic. Even Eugene Melnick can't be like, no, I'm too proud, you know, I, in this moment. I love that Melnick, like, for all these years, has been too proud to sell the team, and yet has not been too proud to, like, grovel for money from his fans and be like, how dare you not, uh... not give me money in the form of ticket sales? How dare you not financially support this team? Don't you know that I am poor? <laughs> Yeah, Melnick is, I mean, obviously we don't know what goes on in this man's mind, even though we named a podcast after him, like, we, we have, um, social science degrees, but neither of us have economics degrees, so. I took, um, I'm putting my one semester of first year economics to great use in this podcast right now. Not to brag, but I took three semesters of economics classes. Oh, wow. <laughs> that means I took three classes. Um, and they were all, like, pretty, you know, s- straightforward. So, um, <laughs> you know, I know when commodity cheap, buy, 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 buy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean I, I, isn't that all you learn in economics? <laughs> At Steve on Sens. <laughs> Steve and I actually took my last economics class together. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to that class. It was actually kind of funny. I mean, I didn't used to pay attention. I used to watch hockey games during the class. (laughs) So, but um, good times. Yeah, I think that, and again, like nobody knows how this is going. Literally, we don't know what's going to happen next month. Mm-hmm. And so it's a situation in which, like, even if we were experts, let's be honest, Beata, like, even if we were experts, we wouldn't know what's happening right mm-hmm. now. This is, there's nothing we can compare it to. So we can honestly just kind of, like, throw around ideas and see what sticks mm-hmm. at this point. Let's just hope, like, who? Let's just hope for the best case scenario um, I was gonna yeah. say I was gonna say if the pandemic forces Melnick to sell, it would have all been worth it. But I I don't believe that. No, no, it really wasn't. No, it's not even it's not even this... worth the joke. There. <laughs> this is really ruining my life. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's a testament um... to how how invested I am in this team um, that I that that thought crossed my mind. It would be a bright spot. It would. It would be a bright spot. Let's put it that way. Uh-huh. Um, so other other little bit of Sen's news. Um, kind of unfortunate. Vitaly Abramov um, decided that he would uh, spend the pandemic. Well, for the like until the NHL season starts up, he would just um, run off to Finland and play in Finland for a little bit. And pretty much as soon as he got to Finland, his team had a COVID-19 outbreak. So uh, Abramov is still in quarantine. Don't worry. Um, He's not at risk of COVID right now. But it's kind of unclear what's going to happen with that Finnish team. Yeah, um, it's weird because Europe is such a different world from North America right now. I mean, everything is still fucked. And... 
people are maybe getting a little bit too comfortable. I don't know what it's like in Finland, but I know in Germany some people are getting a little bit too comfortable. But it's a whole different bag than North America. And so it's probably one of those situations where like, okay, people on the team got COVID, but it's been contained quite effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fully going off of what I'm seeing in some parts of Europe, not all parts of Europe. Um, but it's a, been a really weird summer here in which like people think that, you know, all the cases have gone down and everybody starts feeling real comfortable, like Abramoff going to Finland and being mm-hmm. like, LOL, it's going to be chill. And then suddenly there's an outbreak. Like this is just happening, but it's, frustrating (laughs) and I can kind of I can understand his impulse to go to Finland like honestly I I really understand where he's like well at least I can play some hockey and I can you know be somewhere where um there's probably better healthcare and less outbreaks Mm -hmm. and then you know being affected like that is such a bummer yeah um but I'm glad he's safe and I hope everybody on the team recovers um but yeah, like, what a cursed year, dude. <laughs> so cursed. Uh, you know what else is cursed? We're, we're really going hard on the uh, on the segues here. Um, that was a good one. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, Mark Borowiecki and the Ottawa Senators officially announced that they are parting ways. Boro is going to try out free agency. He's leaving. I'm sad. <laughs> it's the first time in his entire career. Like, he's literally mm-hmm. been with the Ottawa Senators his entire career um, in the NHL. And also, um, I, like, thought I remembered Dorian saying that he was trying to keep Borrow in Ottawa as, like, a senator for life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, did I imagine this? Is this, like, a fever dream? So I looked it up. Absolutely not. In February, he said <laughs> that he wanted Borrow to stay in Ottawa for I think- his entire career. At this point, saying that is just code for we're going to trade this guy. Like, we're going to get rid of this guy within a few months. Yeah, Borrow probably <laughs> like, read that and was like, times, oh shit. <laughs> how many times have the Sens said that about players that left within, like, a year of them saying that? Literally, like, <laughs> it's... Fucking team. I, I, like, I swear Borrow saw that and immediately was like, right... Might as well start packing, like, this is it. <laughs> and I just, like, I, I joked about this on Twitter, but, like, I think this is, it's so funny the way that this whole thing has played out. Because, like, Sens fans hated Boro for so long. Like, he was mm. one of the players where we were like, just trade him, just get rid of him, he's useless, we don't like him. You know, he was, like, dragging the team down. And then the Sens tr- got rid of, like, everyone except Boro and suddenly Boro was one of like five players left that we actually liked and everyone was yeah. like actually we like Boro he's pretty great okay he can we're okay if this is the the, the timeline that we're living in where Boro is a senator for life like we can handle Boro being a senator for life that would be pretty great actually and then immediately the sounds were like okay bye <laughs> it's so typical and also like I mean I I think we, or most of us, can pro- probably, like, agree that we became Borrow fans late mm-hmm. in his career. Also, um, apparently he had, like, a career season. Mm-hmm. Uh, this season was, like, uh, really good for him, which is kind of funny considering how, like, <laughs> far into his career he is. 
But um, I think many of us, because we had other players, we had other players who were lovable and maybe a little bit more flashy mm-hmm. and, um, you know, like when Eric Carlson is on your team, maybe you're not super, super, super stoked about Borrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then with everybody leaving and Borrow also just turning out to be this like really fun, interesting, nice guy and like mm-hmm. becoming more invested in social media and talking to people on so like talking to the fan base and becoming somebody who's like actually really close with fans and makes such an mm-hmm. effort to be close with fans it like completely changed our perspectives on him in my opinion he could be a shit player and at this point i'd be like stan borrow like, exactly let's go <laughs> um the standards are and so that's different. so unfortunate yeah and I don't know. It's kind of funny to think of, like, how my reaction to players I really like has sort of shifted over the last few years, because I feel like for a long time I was just really sad about stuff, and then it got to the point of me being just really angry and kind of directing that at, like, the senators, whereas now Mm -hmm. with this Boro stuff, I have kind of reached a point where I'm just laughing at myself Um, because, you know, it's this has been going on for a few years, and at this point, like... What did I think I was getting into? Standing Boro, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I got attached to a player. I know what this team is. I know exactly what I'm doing to myself, right? I know exactly what's going to happen to every player I learn to like. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's pretty... Yeah, it's just laughing at myself. Um, I did see on social media that the Borovieskis and the tourists have been hanging out, which really... Man, just, like, salt in the wound, dude. <laughs> yeah, and I think Carlson has been in Ottawa, too. Yeah, he has been. And it's <laughs> kind of interesting to see that, to see that, like, there are players who are, like, really good players who want to live in Ottawa. Exactly. And especially, I mean, I understand, like, you know, like, Carlson's uh, wife, Melinda, is from Ottawa, like, her family's here mm-hmm. and stuff. But, you know, if you have young kids, it's such a good city to be in. And it's also, like, a place where it's not too big. Mm-hmm. The schools are good. Um, you know, like, you can have a pretty, like, decent property and a big garden for your children. Mm-hmm. And a kind of low-key life. Like, people like yeah. tourists come back to Ottawa and, like, sort of live here in the summers. And people don't bug them that much. Um because there's something about, like, just approaching an athlete that feels so inappropriate to us sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the amount of times I used I used to see Carlson go for dinner in my street a lot. Mm-hmm. And I just wouldn't... I would avert my gaze. I'd be like, oh my god, it's Eric Carlson. And then I'd, like, not want to make him uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it also just kind of debunks that um, common talking point of, like, they didn't want to be here. Like, you know, I don't yeah. think it was Ottawa, the city, that they didn't want to, you know, that, that drove them away. Um, if they really <clears throat> like Ottawa, but they didn't want to be with the SENS organization specifically, what does that tell us about the Senator's organization? I mean, I think that that narrative works for young single players. Mm-hmm. Somebody like Derek Brassard. I'm going to bring up this man until the day <laughs> I die. Nobody fucking cares about Brassard anymore, but I do. Um, 
he's young, he's single, he doesn't have children. I don't mean I think he's single, but you know, shoot me an email. <laughs> <laughs> and Derek Broussard, you have our email um, and our Twitter handle. <laughs> uh, this is MelmiKinLife at gmail.com. No. <laughs> but like he is like he's he's not married, he's um he ha- doesn't have any children. Going to somewhere like New York is so much more attractive when that's the case. And I can understand when there's like, you know, young players who who are unmarried or who um, don't have kids and who just kind of like want to play in a really exciting market. I understand when people are like, yeah, they didn't want to play in Ottawa. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But people who seem to be relatively family oriented, like Borough and Torres and, and Carlson... Ottawa's perfect for that. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to raise a child and like, no offense to New York, I'm sure it's a great city, but I, like, if what about Vegas? I, I don't, <laughs> or Vegas, like, Vegas. do you really, like, if, if your sort of idea of how you want to raise your kids is like a little bit more granola, like Borrow, who's like obsessed with, you know, eating local and going <laughs> hiking and doing all this dumb shit then maybe somewhere like Ottawa is so much more attractive. And I think mm. that's something that Ottawa really has going for it. Um, that gets undersold in some way. And I don't think that every player wants to have this like very flashy mm-hmm. franchise. I don't think everybody wants to play in Vegas um, where like everything is bedazzled and... I don't know, you have to live in the fucking desert. Yeah. And also you have to live in Vegas. I mean, <laughs> like, no offense, but everything I've heard about living in Vegas sounds so depressing. <laughs> yeah. And I say that as someone who is currently living in East Germany. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really went off on a tangent there. It's it's such a bummer to, mm-hmm. like, lose Borrow. And um, I think... I think we're going to miss him and I think it's just an indication of where this team is going in some mm. ways. But on the other hand, I also understand people who are saying like, yeah, honestly, we should be making, if we're going to rebuild, like we should ded- be dedicated to the rebuild. Mm-hmm. We should make space for young players. I guess I it, get that. it kind of makes sense from a hockey perspective, but I don't think I really mm-hmm. trust this organization to be making all of their decisions um, based on what is best for the hockey team, if that makes sense. Like, just after, yeah. like, I even if you look back at some of those trades and, like, they kind of make sense in hindsight, I, I still don't think that, I, I think a lot of the moves that they made back in 2018, 2019 were not um, entirely, like, focused on building the best hockey team. I think it was a lot of money, a lot of personal issues, like, that was yeah. definitely my perspective. And so um, I've definitely kind of learned to look at this team and, and kind of, analyze everything from the perspective of the off-ice stuff and not trust that they're just trying to make the hockey team better. I think as a fan base, we don't trust uh, our, like the front office mm-hmm. of the team at all. I think we've seen so many like weird trades that mm-hmm. at this point we're like, oh, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, and But I, in this yeah. case, I kind of understand the people. Again, uh-huh. I would never want to lose Barrow. I kind of understand it because... Brady Kachuk is someone who kind of does fill the role of, like, a sort of gritty player. Mm-hmm. And who... he's actually good. 
Not that Boro is a terrible player, but, like... No, but he's yeah. young. And that's, I think, a big deal. Like, uh-huh. Kachuk has a long time that he can play really hard. Mm-hmm. And he kind of fills the role um, that Boro had originally filled. I think their style of playing is relatively um, similar. And I think that you could argue that, like, if you want to focus on having a young team, then maybe... Somebody like Brady Kachuk makes Borowiecki a bit superfluous. Yeah, and like I, I honestly like looking at the moves that they've make that they're making and like the decision with Boro. Like I can, I can see how they're how they could be making the team better. Like I can see the team getting better in the next few years. Um, I think it's a pretty like optimistic mm. outlook from that perspective. But um, just because there's been so much off ice drama, I guess my my attitude with the Sens is like. If you're not committed to building, like, the best hockey team possible, if you're not making all these decisions based on um, the viability of your hockey team and there's so much off-ice drama that's, like, seeping into this, why can't you just, like, do, like, keep the players that I like, (laughs) you know, and, like, make these games entertaining? And also keep someone who is probably really good for the locker room. I mean, I think that's, like, something that is clearly lacking in the Mm -hmm. senators i mean to the extent that we as a fan base realized or like found Mm -hmm. out about how much tension there was in the locker room and boris seems to be really beloved and how like somebody who young players are really happy to have there and i think that was part of the thing back in 2017 18 where i was like literally you guys could just finish last at the you know every single year i don't even care but if you're not if you're not going to be good, at least just give me all of my, like, favorite players that bring me comfort and joy, <laughs> you know? Like, I just, yeah, I just, give me Carlson and Stone and Turris and all those nice players, and I will just happily watch this team be bad for years on end. Um, yeah. Not that I don't want the team to be good. Obviously, I want them to be good, but I, I kind of saw that, like, with Melnick, there wasn't, being good wasn't the option. <laughs> I know what you mean. Like, you mm-hmm. want your team to either be good or to be sympathetic. <laughs> or like fun and, to watch you know I mean there are some players who I personally really like who I'm like I'm excited to see what they're doing off the ice as well as on the ice I'm huge fan of Anthony Duclair mm-hmm. I love how outspoken he's being I, I love that he really engages with people on social media and he's posting a lot on social media and he's kind of like you know somebody who's a little bit more fun and like actually showing a personality um, and and that's something I really appreciate Brady Kachuk is amazing at interviews he's really funny he's got his milk spawn <laughs> like you know what I mean like there's uh-huh. there, there are some people with like interesting personalities on the team that you can't, you really want to root for mm-hmm. oh uh Willanen love uh-huh. that man he seems like such a sweetheart like he seems you know, again, somebody who kind of, like, engages with hockey and with the fan base off the mm-hmm. ice as well. Um, and those are people who who I like and who I want to see do well. And so it's... But it's it's becoming something where every time you become attached to a player, they get traded. Mm-hmm. And so it's getting really fucking tiring. <laughs> where I'm like, oh, I really like this player. I hope he doesn't get fucking traded. Yeah, it, it makes um, it very hard yeah. to like, get attached. 
Um, anyways. We have... That was a long... We have another loss. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna say, <laughs> we, we've lost another another beloved member of the Senator's organization, and that is Rookie, the Sens Pup. He's not dead or anything. Like, he's he's No, fine. no, 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 no. Um, he he's on to the better Senators. things organization i mean in the same way that so many of our beloved players have just kind of moved on to, <laughs> to to better uh to better places you know they've graduated from the ottawa senators training academy right and like, <laughs> they've gone to a real team that can actually win games yeah rookie has completed his training um which you know good job congratulations on graduating rookie mm-hmm. I'm very happy for you um and he's on to his job basically like he's going to be working as a guide dog which is really exciting and i think um having like the dog was such a fun kind of thing that the team did Mm. um it's always great to like sort of spread awareness about guide dogs and Mm -hmm. um and also he's just a cute puppy like Mm -hmm. there's nothing i'm gonna say against a dog in a jersey the trainer of rookie posted like some really cute stuff to social media um including that like his two like rookie's two favorite players were borrow and Willannon, who apparently just got such a kick out of the dog which Aww. i love knowing i think that's so delightful so that made me very happy <laughs> So I think that's like kind of all of our our sins news to talk about. We actually had a surprising amount of that. The Ottawa Senators never failed to deliver on off ice drama. <laughs> who, who needs hockey games to talk about when you cheer for the Ottawa Senators hockey team? Um, anyways, the NHL playoffs are the Stanley Cup playoffs are still going on. They're kind of almost coming to an end. And um, in case people can't tell from how long it took us to put out this episode i may have written the plan for this episode like a month ago and i (laughs) wrote very excitedly montreal is gone with three exclamation points which of course montreal is 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 still gone i mean they're still gone it's very exciting it is kind of old news um for anyone who's been following but uh in new news really um I mean, Mark Stone did a really great job playing. It was like, I don't know. King of our heart. It was so, like, weird. I don't know. There were so many emotions seeing Vegas, like, and, like, the whole, you know, hockey community just, like, embrace Mark Stone and, like, discover what yeah. an interesting and fun player he is. Um, so many compilations of him stealing the puck, um, his faces mm. and stuff, and I was like, but Sens fans have known about this since, like, 2014. <laughs> he has wonderful, like, um, celebratory faces, mm. and he was a wonderful player. Um, Vegas did just lose mm-hmm. um, last night. We're recording this on Tuesday. Yeah. And, um... So it is Dallas going to the Stanley Cup Finals, which I'm a little bit bummed. I rooted for Vegas literally only because of Mark Stone, mm-hmm. because um, I don't know, I all care about really a single player on the Dallas Stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it's kind of fun that they're in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I would never, mm-hmm. never, never, never have guessed Dallas. At the beginning of this season. No, definitely not. It's it's just been a weird year, man. <laughs> it's a really weird thing. So, right, like, right now, we've got Dallas in the finals, and Lightning is, I think, playing the Islanders tonight. Um, yeah. 
And so Peshawar uh, might also be out by uh, by the time this goes up. And Bersad, just uh, putting it out that yeah. he's also on the Amadas. <laughs> <laughs> just gotta throw that in there. But, like, it's also... Peugeot is also a player that's kind of been embraced by, like, Islanders fans more mm. than the hockey community at large. Um, but, yeah, I'll see, like, um, Islanders fans tweeting about, like, the Peugeot chant and um, talking about how much fun he is to watch and all that. And it's, like... He is a lot of fun. <laughs> I love him. I do... I do enjoy that. And I do enjoy seeing players who mm-hmm. were in the sense, like, doing well... He in also, the playoffs. Did you see when he tweeted out pesky Isles? Yes. <laughs> that was really oh sad. my god. <laughs> I was like, no, it's a Sens thing. But I think it's it was a Peugeot thing more than anything. It was because yeah. he was a fucking pesky player. He was so annoying. And like, but in the he was best the story way. of that like pesky Sens playoffs with his hot yeah. and stuff. Oh, I miss him. <laughs> god, that playoff run was so much fun. Uh, I miss him so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So right now though, Lightning is. Lightning's not as like, not as surprising as Dallas, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Like, but again, like, who the fuck thought Tampa was going to be in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Like, it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a weird year, Matt. Like, everything is this weird. Is weird. Hockey is weird. I did not have either of these teams anywhere close to my idea of who was going to be in the playoffs this year. So, mm-hmm. um, it's all American teams. So I don't know who to root for. Uh, Are you one of those people who roots for the Canadian teams? No, Poppy. It no. depends. It depends. It depends. It depends. If the Canadian team is Toronto, no. Absolutely not. But I have, like, my favorite teams that I, I enjoy. Like, no. um, no, no, no. It's not just Canadian teams. It's also just which city I think is sympathetic. That's fair. I love Nashville. Not really a reason for it. I just think Nashville seems really cool and I want to go and I want to listen to country music. Uh, <laughs> and also they're really, or like a couple years ago, they were like insanely fun to watch. So I'm not against them. Um, but usually I would like, I don't know, I would prefer a Canadian team and I know that's fucked up and no, not necessary, I, but... Okay, mom, don't listen to this, um, but I actively root <laughs> against other Canadian teams just because people make such a big deal out of that, like, Canada's team thing. So I'm like, my Canadian team has to be the Canadian team to finally bring the cup home to Canada because I know that people are going to make such, like, as soon as it happens, people are going to make such a big deal about it and that team will always be known as the team that broke that curse and every time the Suns have come close to breaking it and, like, been Canada's team, I'm like, yes, everybody, like, we need to be Canada's team just, like, for the hater <laughs> reasons, right? I'm like, I I love the idea of everyone always having to remember the Ottawa Senators as the team that broke that, like, curse of Canadian teams not winning the cup and the idea of literally any other team getting that honor, that glory, just, like, disgusts me. See, I I'm not as petty as you, but I also have absolutely no method to my madness and who I support. Um, it's literally <laughs> just which cities I think are maybe sympathetic. Mm-hmm. For example, Vancouver, fuck Vancouver. Vancouver <laughs> gives me bad vibes. Like, I don't know why. I'm, it's supposed to be so beautiful. Like, I don't know why. Vancouver, bad vibes. <laughs> Toronto, no. Just for the sake of it, no. Fuck you. Winnipeg, absolutely. 100%. Okay, Winnipeg, Winnipeg gives right. me good vibes. If the Suns can't be Canada's team, Winnipeg can. 
I think that's like the one but, thing like, that I would why? expect. Why? Why? There's no reason. They just have good vibes. <laughs> like there's no there's literally no reason. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they I was going to say they would be like the least insufferable, but I don't even know. I know a few Winnipeg teams. I think a few Winnipeg fans and I feel like they would be kind of annoying about it. But like, I don't know. They just got their team back. Like they they haven't been around for that long. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of sympathetic to them. I'm like, you guys can, like, enjoy this this glory. They're not stuck up like Habs fans or, like, just really annoying, like, Toronto fans. Like, I don't know. It makes no sense to me. It's the same with, like, Calgary. Uh, Calgary women's teams? Yes. Calgary oh, women's yeah. teams can get it. Calgary Flames? Fuck mm. you. I don't know why. There's no reason. <laughs> I think Calgary sounds kind of nice. But <laughs> fuck you. And it's kind of messed up because I like... Nashville because it's yeehaw. Calgary is the, I mean, Calgary is as close to Nashville as we get in in Canada. And I'm like, no. But then Edmonton, despite the fact they're called the Edmonton Oilers, which is the dumbest, most annoying name in the NHL. I'm like, yeah, Edmonton can get the cup. I I feel like Edmonton has just suffered so much that I'm like, has, I, I feel like their suffering in recent years has kind of almost made up for the total lack of suffering <laughs> over many years mm. um i'm like does, does that kind of balance it out i don't know maybe because i'm too young maybe. i don't remember the oilers in their glory days i just remember them as like the extremely pathetic team um so i'm kind of kind of sympathetic toward them man the people who complain about this podcast not being enough about actual hockey playing <laughs> are gonna be so pissed about us ranking teams by good vibes <laughs> this is scientific we are experts put us on hockey night in canada cbc <laughs> we gotta it's talk so about funny. the vibes wait that sounds really weird <laughs> It's such a horrible word, but I love saying good vibes. I hate when people talk about vibes, but I love when people say that has good vibes. But when somebody says like, oh, your vibe is... I had a job once. Okay, guys, quick detour. Briefly, while I was in university, I worked for an unnamed store chain <laughs> that sells essential oils. Um, because, it, I don't know, it was a, like, kind of fun retail job. I was supposed to be doing community involvement, but they never, like, let me actually do it. And you smelled good all the time. Like, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Anyway, I worked for an essential oil chain store thing. It was fine. But I had a performance review once where they told me that my sales were great, but my vibes were kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I will never in my life... Ever. Like, it wasn't even, like, a regular performance review. They literally scheduled this meeting with me to tell me that my vibes were weird. (laughs) And it's, like, the most aggressive extension of vibe talk that I've ever experienced in real life. And I'm never going to forgive them for it. And it's, like, it's really 1,000% put me off of, like, the conversation of, like, oh, what's that person's vibe? (laughs) It's just so stupid. I'm like, yeah, of course my vibes are weird. I'm working a fucking Bayshore mall. Like, what? Oh, I've revealed too much, I think. Um, speaking of, does this count as weird vibes? Um, I, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we no, ready? the transitions? You're fucking killing it. I know. We're great. killing it. We both are. This is a great episode. Um... <laughs> 
<laughs> Are we ready for the mascot minute? So ready for the mascot minute. Um, this one was actually written like also a long time ago, so it might be a little bit outdated, but it's just it's a look into the past. Um, I barely even remember what I wrote. Tensions were getting high in Carlton's mansion in more ways than one. The mascots were all at each other's throats with playoff action heating up and a few teams already being eliminated, and that just made for even more passionate nights and days. <laughs> Spurticat was thoroughly enjoying himself, enjoying the experience of being around so many other mascots at all hours. Whenever he needed to get away, all he had to do was invite one of the other mascots to the beach for a bit of one-on-one time. It was a great arrangement. <laughs> On the night of the first game between the Islanders and the Flyers, Sparky the Dragon approached him before the game, a sultry look in his eyes. <clears throat> Let me just get my sexy voice on. <laughs> so, whispered the other mascot, leaning in close enough that Sparty could feel his breath in his mane. I hear you're well acquainted with my rival. Spartacat sucked in a breath. He'd been trying his very best not to think about Gritty ever since their breakup. He knew the Flyers had made it to the second round. And he knew the orange mascot was doing everything he could to get into the bubble. But thinking about Gritty only brought him pain. If Sparky wanted to seduce him to get under Gritty's skin, then he clearly knew nothing about their relationship and how it had ended. Gritty didn't care about Spartacat. He wouldn't care at all if the two of them hooked up. Still, Sparty had to admit that he liked this idea. Sparky himself wasn't unattractive either. His mouth was absolutely enormous. And Spartacat could think of a few... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> his ma- his mouth was absolutely enormous, and Spartacat could think of a few uses for those wings. Who? He whispered. <laughs> this is a good one, Beata. Um, read my fanfiction. <laughs> I cannot wait for you to list the uses for those wings. Um, I may have sent. Uh... Poppy, a very cursed um, excerpt from a Sarah J. Mass book. Like, oh my right god, after I wrote this. Um. <laughs> it was. I'm trying to remember what the term was that she used. I. It was something. Oh, sheathed himself no, in her. Yeah, and that wasn't that wasn't <laughs> even the um the, the excerpt that I sent her. That was me saying that I don't actually read Sarah J. Mass anymore. Um. And I remember the I remember the exact moment that I quit um, reading Sarah J. Maas, and that was when I was trying to read A Court of Thorns and Roses, and yes, got to got to the line. He sheathed himself in her, and just remember closing the book and, and never ever uh, revisiting that author ever again. It's um, so fucking funny. But I I do listen to dramatic readings of her um, smut scenes on YouTube, which you can find. <laughs> You have to respect, like, coming up with such a deranged term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's something, as a, as a writer myself, um, <laughs> I'm inspired by. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, anyone who reads fanfiction and listens to our Mascot Minute can tell that I read fanfiction. Um, because it's, it's mm. very inspired by fanfiction. Except it's also kind of like, it's a it's a very... Um, it's a parody of fanfiction coming from the perspective of someone who genuinely does love fanfiction. See, I um, do not read any fanfiction except the one we write for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, you know, I was on Tumblr <laughs> in the heyday. 
Well, that's well, like, I feel the like most I have an idea. Fan fiction. The most cursed fanfic oh, you can find God. is the stuff on like Tumblr that's not even posted to AO3. No, I I just thought of some of like the the summaries I've read on AO3 and like no, that's that's the most cursed stuff. <laughs> but like the Tumblr stuff, yeah, that was pretty bad too. We should probably start looking for um, NHL fanfic more. The issue with NHL fanfic is that some of it is actually kind of serious and like I'm sure plenty of it is like actually really well written, um, and that's. You know, that fan fiction exists, and I'm not shaming anybody who enjoys that, right? I don't want to make fun of that kind of stuff. Um, it's just that some of the the more ridiculous fanfic is, is very fun to parody. I don't know. I think fanfic is generally pretty fucking funny. I know I know that it's, um, like, good and important, and I know that it's a um, reflection of what people want to see in media. Mm-hmm. But it's also really fucking funny because a lot of it is horny teenagers. Mm-hmm. You gotta love it. Like it's kind of funny. The 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 magic of fanfic is how um, versatile it is. Like there are so many different kinds. You know, you can read this like you know two hundred thousand word fic that's like you know this amazing love story and actually really well written and you're super invested and you know like it's amazing and then you click on the author's profile and they've also written just like 5,000 words just full smut that's like extremely deranged <laughs> or like you know you're I just scrolling that. through the summaries and some of it is like this is gonna make me feel things and some of it is yeah like you said just just horny teenagers um the the duality is pretty nice <laughs> Speaking of mascots, um, Gritty tried to get into the bubble um, while the Flyers were in the bubble in Toronto. Um, Again, this is kind of old news, but I feel like because of our brand, we need to talk about the fact that the whole time the Flyers were in the bubble, Gritty was like making this huge joke about trying to get into the bubble to um, just hang out with Claude Giroux. And he, mm. I, I don't know who does the marketing for Gritty, like for the Flyers, who runs that account. I don't know, but they are a genius because they sent him all the way to Toronto, Ohio. And had this whole, like, series where he was, you know, taking videos at various, like, places in this town that is very obviously not Toronto. And just, like, looking for, making a big show out of, like, looking for the NHL bubble. And um, and then finally realizing that he was in the wrong place. I loved it. It was so funny. Mm-hmm. Honestly, again, like, we've talked about this before, but creating content is, like, kind of fucked right now. Like, I feel bad for social media people. And, um, just, like, using Gritty in this, like, funny and stupid way was brilliant. And also just, like, cute. I liked it. In the last episode with Jared, we were talking about how Gritty gets so much more attention than the other mascots, you know? And, like, Mm. this whole thing about trying to get into the bubble, we wouldn't have tolerated that with any other mascot. But, like, which team has the, like, idea to send their mascot to Toronto, Ohio, just for, like, a few tweets. Like, I mean, right? you gotta respect this. Like, that, the marketing for Gritty is just worlds above. And I think that's a big thing as well. Like, you could be like, oh, no, you know, um, Gritty's getting more attention than most mascots. And I think a huge part of it is just that people, uh, or oh, sorry, that the way that the team announced Gritty and the way that the team has used Gritty is just so smart. Most NHL teams 
kind of have the mascot there and whatever, but it's, like, not super interesting or exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of just, like, on the sidelines, and it's sort of something that's for the kids. Mm-hmm. Whereas the way they've marketed Gritty is funny and kind of spicy sometimes and very tongue-in-cheek and, like, for adults as well. Mm-hmm. Like, not just, you know, here's a big bear that the kids mm-hmm. can pose with. No, and I'm sure I really kids are that... afraid of Gritty more than other mascots. <laughs> <laughs> if I was a child, I'd be like, let's let's stay away from that guy. <laughs> he did Probably. punch a child. <laughs> oh, God, that was so funny. I think about that. All the, I literally was, I went to like, I rented a house with some friends this weekend. And on the way there, I immediately was like, yo, you guys remember when Gritty was punched? <laughs> Oh, sorry, when Gritty punched, allegedly, allegedly, when Gritty allegedly punched a child, and everybody was like, no, we do not, we are gay men living in Germany, and I was like, right, <clears throat> let me tell you <laughs> uh, I love that. about the Gritty saga, because it's, it, it lives in my brain, it really does. Um, anyways, now that we've gotten our, our mascot talk out of the way, I feel like we always end up talking more about mascots than we plan to. Um, but you yeah, know, it's just the brand. Anyways. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyways, we should move on to the one, like, actually serious, uh, topic that we should discuss. That, again, like, it's a little bit outdated by this point, but I think it's still important to talk about it, like, at all times. Um, which is the strike that happened across the sports world. And I do, you know, before we get into, like, the, the actual serious discussion about this, um, this strike and how the NHL responded to it... Um, let's, let's pour one out for Sharks captain Logan Couture, who, um, (laughs) was sucker punched, allegedly, on the streets of Toronto, Ontario, by someone that we can only assume was part of the, uh, notorious left-wing organization, Antifa, which is known for, for punching random people for their political views. That was sarcasm. Please don't, don't think that I was... (laughs) It's actually, I've always, I think a part of me has always wanted to say that sentence while sitting in my bedroom with a, like, very professional microphone in front of me. I want to read this tweet. Can I do a dramatic reading of this tweet? Oh, please. Please, please, please. I was saying, he deleted this tweet, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I can recite this by heart at this point. I was like, which Logan Couture tweet are you talking about? And I saw it, and I was like, oh, (laughs) the tweet. It was the tweet that gave everyone a, a full morning's worth of content um, just to, to dunk on. Anyways, please, please give us this dramatic reading. I spent last night in Toronto, Ontario. I talked about voting for the Republican Party and I mentioned Donald Trump by name. I was sucker punched. Is this really what we're coming to? If you vote, you are a villain? Man, this world is so wrong. Okay, first of all, Logan Couture is Canadian. He is not allowed to vote in the United States. And he did clarify further down that he specifically said that his dad is slash was a cop. And he's a, a firefighter, not a cop, for the record. Yeah, I mean, he. I think somebody said that he like worked for bylaw or something like, I don't know. Okay. He said, yeah, like his dad is not exactly a lifelong career cop. But... I mean, wild of you also in the middle of, like, protests against police violence, and especially in Toronto, where, like, this is an ongoing issue, people are still kind of reeling from the death of Regis Kwaczynski-Paquet. 
um, mm-hmm. to be like, my dad is a cop and I would vote for Donald Trump. <sighs> and then expect people to just be okay with that. And like, I love this tweet. I mean, like, obviously it's a, it's a disgusting, horrible tweet, but I, I love it just for the comedy because it has the combination of like, he's complaining about being sucker punched for being a dick and saying some really like offensive things um which is already like you know that's gonna get you dunked on but also just like the format of this tweet i read that and i was like this is gonna be a meme and i immediately tweeted out something about like you know i spent last night in toronto ontario (laughs) i talked about having a podcast and i was sucker punched you know is this really what we're coming to and i tweeted that and then immediately saw like three other tweets with the same format like everyone had the same idea and i was like you know what that's um that's pretty much what i expected i mean it's so funny on so many i also want to point out logan couture you are not a villain for voting Voting is everyone's right. But when you vote for someone shitty, maybe you're kind of a villain. I love when people are like, what, I'm a villain for voting? It's like, (laughs) yeah, bro, if you voted for fucking Hitler, you're also a villain. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't get to be like, oh, but I was practicing democracy. No, you're being a judge. It's not some, like, neutral thing, yeah. Yeah, like, voting is not, voting in itself is not immoral. But you can choose to vote for a candidate who is immoral. And I know it's a hot take on a sports podcast to be like, <laughs> don't vote Republican. But <laughs> I mean, are we guys. all about hot political takes on sports podcasts? Yeah. That's our brand. And then the, lo- the other thing is, let's be real. Was Logan Couture actually sucker punched? Uh, no. I don't know. I don't know if this happened. That was... That was kind of the fun of dunking on him. It's like, there's no way this man was actually sucker punched. Look, like, if somebody were there and they heard Logan Couture talk shit like this and being like, hey, I want to vote for Donald Trump. Hey, my dad's a cop. I think everything these guys are doing is great and honorable. Yeah, I think I'd be tempted to sucker punch him too. Like, let's be honest. And Yeah, and like, I imagine that if he was actually sucker punched... He probably said a little bit more than, eh, I would probably vote Republican if I could, right? Like, yeah. If, if you were being offensive enough that people sucker punched you, like, it's probably because you were really, really antagonizing people. Not that we know exactly what happened. No, and I don't want to advocate yeah. for violence. Obviously, violence is bad. Obviously, ideally, you should be engaging in a nuanced conversation But I also don't want to say, you know, I want to say that the specter slash most likely imaginary person who punched Logan Couture might have had a good point and might have just been in a point where it was like, dude, like, okay, cool, advocating for people getting like literally shot and killed. Okay, lit, Mm -hmm. lit. Yeah, I also like love a president who is putting children in in. cages in literal cages Mm -hmm. i want to say putting children in prisons they're not in prisons they're in literal fucking cages um maybe maybe that is a really shitty take to have like i'm sorry dude i don't think it's like cool to be especially as somebody who can't even fucking vote in the u.s to be like i love this guy i love this guy Mm -hmm. who like 
violently assaulted his ex-wife. I, you know what I mean? Like, it's, uh-huh. <laughs> it's, um, it's such a bad take. I'm not going to say that I stand Joe Biden on this here podcast because it would be <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> And I don't want people coming for me and being like, oh, well, do you love Joe Biden? No, I don't fucking love Joe Biden. But that doesn't mean that I think that Logan Couture was making a good point. And also, Mm -hmm. yes, my dude, you are a villain for saying that. Yeah. And before we move on from this particular tweet, I do just want to give a shout out to um, Dan Carcillo, who won Twitter that day um, because he tweeted out that he spent, he said something like, I spent last night you know, wandering around Toronto, Ontario, sucker punching people for their political views. I was looking for Mike Milbury, but I had to settle for Logan Couture. As soon as I saw that tweet, I was like, okay, pack it up, guys. Like, this this man just won Twitter. We This joke is over. You can't beat that. Like, log off. <laughs> as the NHL was doing that, <laughs> um... Some some more important stuff was happening in the NBA, especially in the WNBA. Yeah. Um, which is that uh, both leagues decided to go on strike. And um, from what I understand, the idea was basically um, that, you know, Americans and, you know, people all over the world, but especially Americans, are being entertained by black athletes during this pandemic while so many black people are being... Um, just straight up murdered by police yeah um and another there was a recent shooting as well i don't think the man was murdered but there was a shooting yeah um and so the basketball players basically decided that they were not going to play basketball anymore until certain demands were met they wanted to um speak Uh, I don't have the whole list, um, but it was like having conversations um, with representatives and stuff um, Mm. about this. And the idea was basically like, you guys need to take steps to to make sure that this stops before you get your your basketball entertainment back. Yeah. Which was a very, very brave stance to take. Um, I really do admire them. The WNBA, I just want to say, like, they have been at the forefront of this from the beginning. They have been using their platform for activism, like, from the day that this that they uh they started playing basketball in this pandemic and even before that they have been like the uh the blueprint for how to do activism in mm. in sports and i really do admire them um but of course like the nba had a little bit of a bigger platform and so when they did that it uh it was a very big deal and the rest of the sports world eventually joined in and what did the nhl do poppy oh boy they kept playing but they did didn't they do, like, a moment yeah. of, like, being like, uh, we respect you. <laughs> we we stand against the bad things, generally. Yeah. You know, just, like, just all the bad things in the world. Um, but then later on, and I have to say, like, I, I listened to some interviews with um, representatives of the Hockey Diversity Alliance, and they said that it was actually the Players um, Association or the Players Union that requested that the league go on strike and that requested that they would have um like some time in the bubble where people from the hockey diversity alliance um spoke to players and discussed their experiences and kind of like you know it's it's surprising to see in the nhl but it's also heartening to see in the nhl that a lot of players got together and said right like we need to learn and also, you know what? Mm-hmm. Logan Couture backpedaled. He said he wouldn't actually vote for Trump. 
So let's say mm-hmm. it's just a little. Maybe that sucker punch actually worked. <laughs> no. Moral of the story: sucker punch people <laughs> for their political views. Um, you know, I think I was very pleasantly surprised when the NHL did join in that strike. Um, and to hear that it was the players, especially like, wow, that that does show a lot of growth on their part. The bar was very, very, very low. Um, yeah, but, you know, they they cleared it, I guess. But I I also think that like the optics of being the one sports league to continue playing when everyone else was on strike um are that's pretty bad and that definitely kind of positions the nhl as like the white people's hockey league right and yeah like the, absolutely you know the, the league for for racist white people who don't want politics in their sports even though like obviously you can't like politics are always in sports. You play anthems before the games and military oh, appreciation nights and stuff, but they don't want social justice in sports, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And I think that I think it's an indication of like the culture where it's at that the NHL took so long. But mm-hmm. again, like it's nice to see them come around. And I think that the Hockey Diversity Alliance were only just fo- was only just formed this year, and they're already showing, um, like tremendous worth to the league in these situations Mm -hmm. um to be like an organization where players can reach out and say okay we want to do something but we don't know how because the nhl has never done anything like this before players have never Mm -hmm. like dipped into activism like this before and so um yeah i think like that that really shows like the how how needed this organization was and it's, you know, it's late. It would have been nice if we had it sooner, but I don't want to complain about things being late when at least they're there now. And at least now, mm-hmm. you know, hockey players and hockey culture in general seems to be um, moving in a direction where they're actually kind of having the convers- conversations and, um, you know, again, like being late but still taking part in the strike uh and also Mm -hmm. supporting their players who are speaking out against racial injustice which we keep bringing this up but like when you know just a few years ago jt brown was heavily reprimanded for that and now we're finally Mm -hmm. in a situation where especially black players um are finally getting the opportunity to speak about their experiences to speak about their experiences in hockey as well and not immediately get labeled as difficult, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, and not get reprimanded by the league for it. Like we're finally at a point where the league, you know, at some point you can't keep this up anymore. Like the league has to give in. And we're finally at the point where there's been so much pushing and pushing and pushing and such a shift in culture that the league has finally had to sort of relent a bit. And that's heartening to see. Yeah, and like I, I find that I'm, I'm when it comes to discourse online, um, I'm trying to normalize just being ambivalent about things for myself, like, um, not constantly being like this is a terrible thing or this is an amazing thing and they deserve praise for it. Mm. Um, so with the NHL, and I said this in like the LNN, the the links, news, and notes that I wrote about this, but like I kind of see this as like. A neutral thing I'm not gonna fall over myself praising the NHL for doing this because I you know I think this was like just above the bare minimum mm. um, but I'm not gonna you know 
villainize the NHL for being too late because there's not really any point in doing that, yeah. right? Like, there's there's nothing they can do at this point about the fact that they were late. And so I, I guess, yeah, my feelings about it are sort of just like, eh, they, you know, they did what they were expected to do. That's good. I'm glad that they're making progress. It's awesome. I'm not gonna, like pretend that this is, you know, amazing activism and, you know, they can pack up and go home. Now they've they've done their job. They did this amazing thing. The NHL is good, actually, right? Yeah, no, um, but I think yeah. it's an important step and it's a good step. And I think it's also a reflection of, A, and you were like, I mean, the NHL is not very diverse, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, <laughs> a little more diverse mm-hmm. than it used to be. And the fan base is a little more diverse than it used to be. And the NHL is finally at a point where it's not just hockey fans that are like, we never want to talk about this. We want to, you know, um, stand up for our anthems and sort of, like, maintain this boys club and Mm -hmm. just, like, root for, like, stoic men. We're finally getting to a point where the culture is kind of moving away from that very slowly, insanely slowly. Mm -hmm. But when things like this happen, when the NHL like cancelled games and the fan base, not everyone on the fan base, clearly, but, mm-hmm. you know, the majority of, I wouldn't even say the majority of people, but a chunk of people <laughs> said, okay, yeah, that's the right thing to do. Maybe, hopefully, that is something that will, um, that will lead to more dialogue like this in the future. And that will kind of keep the NHL on track. And again, the Hockey Diversity Alliance, I think, is really important for that because they can keep up the pressure. And it's an organization mm-hmm. that has support, not just within the teams. I think that's really great. They have like actual NHL players who are in the Hockey Diversity Alliance, but also has support from the fan base and has support from people from other sports teams and, um, you know, like people in the media, uh, they're getting a lot of like uh time to talk like talking on sports news and stuff now and i think that can keep the pressure up a bit and that's really important mm-hmm. so i don't want to be like uh you know it's all bleak and terrible yeah i think the nhl is making progress i'm really happy to see that progress um i do wish there was more and i hope it continues mm. um and i think it's also important to keep in mind that like yeah we're starting to see a lot of fans say like, oh, I won't support the NHL anymore because they dared to say Black Lives Matter, you know, and like they, um, they're, they're getting political all of a sudden. But it's important to note that you're not, you're not just losing fans um, when you're, well, losing those types of fans is good ultimately for your fan base because mm-hmm. suddenly the fans who were pushed out of fan base by those people are going to feel welcome in that space, right? Like, you can't, like, say that you want your fan base to be full of black people and white supremacists. Like, you gotta choose between them, and if you're kicking out the white supremacists and they're making a big fuss about it, not not to say that, like, every single person quitting the NHL is a white supremacist, but this is an example No, but I know what you mean. Um, But there's a lot of that baked into it. Anyways, and if you're kicking those people out, you're making sure that your black fans feel like are are able to remain in hockey fandom Mm. and continue to enjoy hockey and you might 
expand your black fan base as well right so it's not just a negative thing well i think that it's one of those things where like um you can't expect to grow the game and get a more diverse fan base while simultaneously supporting and nurturing a fan base that will actively push out diverse Mm -hmm. fans like you can't continue to sort of nurture this like um very macho very white very homophobic fan base Mm -hmm. and then complain about your fan base not growing that's Mm -hmm. it's that's not how it works and i think the nhl is finally learning that like there's i hope something's got to give at some point right and i think that's really um i think that's a really good point like you can't you can't expect that. I also think that some of these people who were like, I'm never going to watch hockey again. It's the same people who burn their jerseys every year when their team mm. doesn't make the playoffs. It's the same. They'll, they'll come back. They don't mm. have anything else to do. We're in a pandemic. We don't have anything else to do but watch sports. And also, where are they going to go? Like, every, mm-hmm. almost every other professional sport in North America has a way more diverse both fan base and yeah. like roster what are they gonna do switch from the nhl to the nba like good luck <laughs> i mean it's <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like what do you... yeah i mean the nhl is probably like the most racist league right now so if you're like the nhl isn't racist enough like where are you gonna go man <laughs> literally just like either they're gonna stop watching sports altogether or they're gonna come around and again it's the same it's the same mm-hmm. people and i also have so many questions about the people who burn their jerseys because those are expensive and you could just sell them on ebay (laughs) but anyway that's what i think that's a big part of it and you know people love to threaten stuff like that it's the same thing as when when you work in retail and somebody's upset that you don't stock something and they're like you've lost a customer i don't care i see hundreds (laughs) of people every day right like it's the same situation Mm -hmm. if one person or like if a group of people are like i'm never gonna watch a hockey game again who cares there is so many people watching stupid hockey like um you know nobody's really upset about losing someone who you know goes to a game three times a year necessarily like it's not the end of the world okay um do we want to give Big rig energy now? Yeah, I suggest the entire Hockey Diversity Alliance. <laughs> I agree with that. They they have really been doing a lot of a lot of heavy lifting um, these last few months. Well, that obviously like their entire existence, but especially uh, these last few weeks, trying to educate these people. It's it's not an easy job. If anybody at home can hear weird panting on the mic, um, my two dogs just decided to chime in. So I'm really sorry for that. Um, I think that's the end of the episode i think so too um so thank you everyone for listening to this american life um you can find us on twitter i am at c e that's c b e a t a e and i am cool cat mum that's mum with a u um and you can email us at this american life at gmail.com the music this week was fake flowers by the Somersets. um they just released a bunch of new music so check them out our logo is designed by lena nove and angus fitzgerald clark for bonus content please find us at patreon.com slash this american life you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember that we are the silver, we are silver seven for Ottawa Senators fans. 
Um, and of course, it would be a huge help if you can rate and review us on iTunes. Bye. Bye. Small town Saturday When I first saw your face Who are we to know? Our heart follows a ghost I hold you I know too Cause I'm afraid Every hour overpowers the lay me down fake flowers, flowers Turns into dust